0: Welcome back, everyone, for the third episode of the Strength Institute podcast. Um, We've got a special guest on today, someone who's a part of Australian sporting history. We've got Jim Milisavljevic, who was actually a member of the first ever Australian team to play in the Soccer World Cup back in 74. So, uh, first of all, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, Jim. I appreciate your time.
1: That's not a problem. Anytime that we can help.
0: Fantastic. Um, now, before we get into the uh, into the podcast, I just want to set something out for some continuity, yep. uh, depending on where you hail from, soccer or football. What are we going to call it today?
1: What are we going to call it today? Well, whichever you want. All Maybe. right.
0: <laughs> well, let's go with soccer then. That's what I'm used to here in Australia. So we'll go with soccer today. Not a problem. Um, Yeah. So uh, first of all, how did you uh, get started into soccer? Was it sort of a big sport based in your community or did it just spark an uh, interest with you personally or how did you get into it?
1: Uh, a bit hard to say. When I was at school, you you, you didn't play soccer at school. Okay. I played Aussie Rules. So um, I was playing Aussie Rules for uh, quite a while at school. Uh, worked my way through to the Carlton Football Club um, Colts or under-16 team. But at the same time as I was doing that, I was also with me with my friends and that playing soccer. So I was playing soccer, footy in the morning and then soccer in the afternoon. And uh, all of a sudden it came to a time to make a decision as to what way I was going to go. And I thought, I'll uh, give uh, the soccer part a uh, a big push. And it turned out the best uh, decision that I made, really. Great, right.
0: and, uh, and how old were you when you first started playing soccer? And then when, and you said you were under 16s when you decided to go full-time into the soccer?
1: That's right. Uh, I started off, what was I, around about uh, 10. 10? Playing both, Aussie Rules and and soccer. Uh, And then um, I made the decision to go across the soccer more so. And then about six months or or 12 months after making that decision, I made me... First uh, appearance in the in the, the club team in the in the firsts in the seniors uh, when I was 16 and a half uh, just going on to 17 and then from there uh, I made a decision to drop the uh, the Aussie rules part and uh, stuck with the uh, with the soccer and everything took off from there.
0: And and so you're saying you're playing first grade. Uh, what club was that?
1: That's uh, with the club no longer around, but it was called Footscray JUST, it was one of the uh, strongest clubs in Victoria at that time. Uh, During that period of uh, playing in the seniors from uh, from 69 through to 75, uh, we won uh, three championships, three knockout cup competitions in a row, uh, and plus the uh, Ampol Cup which was a night competition. Uh, so it was a pretty uh, productive you know, five years or so. A busy club it's, there. Yeah.
0: And, and, and what was club soccer like um, in Victoria growing up? I mean you see in England they have uh, football, football hooligans, they have riots and, and people fighting and in Brazil it's so serious people sometimes get, get killed over it. I mean what was it like growing up in Melbourne and the, and the atmosphere of soccer in the community?
1: Uh, Back in that time, uh, to try and make a comparison with you, once the A-League started here, everyone said, oh, fantastic, we're fantastic, we're getting, you know, 15, 20-odd thousand people come and watch games. Uh, When I was playing, uh, the teams that we had uh, were all um, natural, how would you want to put it, You you had Juventus, which was an Italian team, Hellas, a Greek team, um, and so on. So everyone had their own uh, nationality team that they could have. So So the
0: teams were very much sort of community-based with whatever ethnicity was in the area?
1: That's correct. That's correct. And then uh, amongst that, you would have the odd uh, fight. We would have our fights with uh, the team uh, Melbourne Knights or Melbourne Croatia at that time. Um, because of the ethnic rubbish and everything else, which I don't want to go into. Sure. Um, but we, if you had the proper two teams playing in the final or in, even in the league games, we were getting anywhere between uh, ten to 15,000 people coming. That's uh, a
0: great result for, for um, club soccer or any club sport, really.
1: Well, it was because back then you had players that were coming from overseas that um, didn't quite make it overseas. But they were a lot better, so they had a second chance here, and they grabbed it with both hands and uh, made names. And so the the, the football that we were, or the soccer we were playing back then, uh, was just as good as what, uh, or if not, some of us think even better than what's being played now. You know, we were playing the the you know, balls down. We weren't knocking long balls in the air and you know just having a bash type of thing. It was uh, all um, controlled games the, yeah just knocking the ball about and that so we the, the the spectators that came were all uh, immigrants that came over and they found the teams from the countries that they came to they had teams here they supported so that's what gave us that you know uh, majority of uh, the support of being up to around the 10 15, at certain games and that's uh, it was, um, a good outcome And then after that, the game, uh, after 75, the game seemed to drop a little bit and got lost, if you wanna put it that way. Um, Then the the National League started, they had success with that at the beginning and then that started to fall off a bit. Um, And then started the headaches of not having the World Cup qualification and and getting to the World Cup after the 74 team. It took another 32 years before we qualified again, which uh, shouldn't have been that long, but unfortunately uh, that's how long it took. And we'll get into the World Cup
0: stuff in a little bit, but but why do you think it took so long between drinks? Is it... The structure of soccer in Australia was it sort of how the club systems were laid out? Was it coaching? Was it just lack of interest from the public? What do you think?
1: Uh, I think a bit of all, all, all round. I think I think um, soccer is still not to not at a level where it should be. Uh, I think we, we we miss a lot uh, with our juniors. even though they they're starting to come up. But there is that uh, gap between um, players that finish at the age of 16 or 18 and not really getting a chance of playing in the seniors. Uh, whether or not um, we go back to the old thing of coaches covering their backside in a way, uh, because if the results are not there, you know, they're shown the door type of thing. So they stick with, maybe they're sticking with some of the older players too much. I think we need to really give our juniors a, a go, we have quite a few juniors, even back um, early eighties and that we had juniors playing overseas and that we've got them out at the, even now we've got them overseas. I don't think there's enough um, international games for them. I think um, now with the way the A-League is being played at the moment, I think um, to me it, it's dropped off the standard to a certain extent. We've only now basically even though it's a 10, 10 team uh, league, which to me is too small, I think we should have uh, at least 14 in there. Um, I find it funny that we've got a team from New Zealand playing in our league who play in a different, completely different um, zone uh, for when it comes to qualifications. Where we we were we were together in Oceania. Then we moved to Asia. New Zealand stayed in Oceania, but they're playing uh, in the L League here, which I don't think is uh, really right. Um, yeah, I just think it needs really uh, a good shake-up needs to be done.
0: Okay, I can I can definitely see some comparisons drawn between rugby and, and uh, soccer, then in that case, uh, about 20 years experience through the club rugby system. And, and pathways are hard because you get a, you see a big drop-off between school and club and Colts. And then you yeah. see again, a big drop-off between Colts and, and first grade or grade rugby. And now, especially with losing um, the Western Force a couple of years ago, you just lose that pathway. If any of the boys want to make it, they have to fly over east. And, and even though there's teams over there in soccer, I can see that, that finding that sweet spot bet- as a pathway between school and club and first grade um, into a national team is really important structure you need to have down and it takes time to build that. So um, that's interesting that 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 crosses multiple sports there. Um, I I think
1: you'll find that with with most sports and juniors, Um, but especially with soccer is uh, being held back maybe because of its uh, reputation or people just don't like it um, as it is. it makes it hard, but when you look at the junior um, registrations, and apparently everything is uh, skyrocketing and, and that, but we definitely lose, uh, we're losing um, uh, quality juniors uh, when they should be stepping up in the senior teams.
0: Yeah, I think in terms of um, player registration, soccer actually for a winter sport is one of the highest because it has a, quite a high female and male um a player rate, especially in the, the junior ages, compared with sports like rugby league and, and union, which is more male oriented. So, you lose a lot of population in terms of developing those players. Um, but yeah, I see what you mean. You're saying there's definitely a drop off in transitioning them through the different skill levels. Um, I'd like to get a bit more into into you um, and, and sort of your experiences. Uh, you said when you were 16, was when you started playing first grade or 16 and a half, you're playing first grade for yeah. your club. Yeah. Um, and what position were you playing a uh, majority of?
1: Uh, As a junior, I played anywhere, really. Uh, But then I settled on goalkeeping. Part of the reason was because of the uh, um, expertise and that, if you want to put it, that I picked up from playing Aussie rules, um, uh, uh, marking the ball. So if I could mark an oval-shaped ball, a round ball is a piece of cake afterwards. Uh, Learned how to defend myself uh, going... Up high, you know, use of the body, use of the knee, use of, you know, turning a little bit so you're not being um, left wide open to be hit. Because uh, when I was playing, uh, it's not like it is now. When I was playing, it was more of a people was a fair game. Once that ball was in the air inside the area, it was on for young and old. And I enjoyed it, you know. I got on well with the strikers that hit me. They hit me and I hit them back but that's where it stayed on the park. And once we went off, you know, we were the first ones having a drink under, in the sheds and that, you know, so and
0: that's the way it should be.
1: Well, that's it. You know, you're out there playing and what happens out on the field, you leave it on the field.
0: Yeah. hundred oh, percent agree. Actually, the thumbnail for this podcast is a picture of you, uh, diving just completely, uh, parallel with the ground, making a good save. So you'll see that uh, when the podcast gets <laughs> uploaded.
1: Yeah. Well, back in that time, uh, there wasn't too many, uh, photographers around and, uh, you know, movie, um movie, someone taking movies and, and that, so we didn't get all that much publicity. We hit the headlines once we, um, when we qualified for the World Cup, but took off and for that six week period, soccer was number one. Uh, once that was over, it went back to the normal uh, situation of about page eight uh, from the back, you know, tucked away just before the Obituaries in that league it was. <laughs>
0: um, what was your pathway from first grade soccer at your club to the Australian team? Is it uh, tryouts? Do you have scouts that are watching the games? How did you how did you progress through to the uh, national team?
1: Well, I started to um, during that period that I mentioned, uh, from '69 uh, through to '75, uh, I was starting to reach. Uh, a good enough form to attract a bit of interest from the um, selectors of the state team and of the national team. Uh, the coach who put me in to be a goalkeeper just so happened to be Riley Russell, he was coach of the Australian team. Uh, he was one who gave me the opportunity to, to go into goals and to um, uh, progress from there. Uh, then I started to make moves uh, from the junior representative teams, from the state teams, um, under 16s, through to um, under 21, where I captained the under 21 Victorian team. Then uh, was called in for trials with the um, national team, uh, got selected into there. Was lucky enough to be with the Australian team through. Um, 73, uh, when we actually qualified uh, in Hong Kong, uh, and then on to 74. Um, played at the we were at the World Cup. We played the World Cup, came back. Then I think within a week of being back, uh, I was on the plane again, going with the under 23 Australian team back to uh, Thailand, for uh, a tournament there.
0: In terms of qualifying. Uh, especially for those that aren't familiar with the process, is it the same then as it is now to qualify for the World Cup? Or what sort of qualifying process did you go through in
1: 73? Uh, We had to play... play, um, Our zone was broken up in uh, 72, 73, was broken up into zone A, zone B. Uh, So then uh, your winners would would meet off afterwards. So we'd won our group. So we... um, had to go in to play against, um, we played against Iran. We'd already played um, six games, because you have to play on a, a home and away basis. Um, so we um, we topped our group and so we were off to play Iran. In the, we, we beat them here at three 0 in Sydney. We went to Iran to play over there. Uh, of course, we about 110, 115,000 Iranians in the crowd and just a few of us sitting on the bench. Uh, we got through that, we lost two nil, but we because we scored more goals, we qualified for the, the next stage, which was against South Korea. Uh, we played in Sydney, we drew nil-nil in Sydney, went to um, South Korea. We played them over there um, in the first half they were, South Korea were up 2 mil, second half we came back and equalised, so it was 2-2, two, two. but back then there was no away goal we were, where the away goal counts as double. So FIFA said we have to go off and play another, a third game. So that took us to Hong Kong and then the night, uh, November the 13th, back in 73 in it's when uh, Jimmy McCoy had scored the goal from, you know, distance gets further and further, but we were all happy to to give him the 30 metres into the top corner, which put us through to the, to the World Cup in '74. You know, we there was a, a newspaper article that came out in one of the German newspapers back then before the uh, tournament had started. Uh, of, who are these people that are coming in to, to play in this world stage, who's allowed them to come in, the, basically calling us yobos and and the rest of it. Uh, at the end of the tournament, they uh, retracted all that um, and apologised because we were drawn in basically the hardest group of the lot because we had East Germany, West Germany and Chile. After our performances uh, in those three games, they uh, came back and wrote that apology in the newspaper and wished us all the best for future tournaments. And that. So We've built up a good reputation of being um, a very tight and um, working group together. We would back at each other to the hilt, didn't matter what was going on, we all stood together as one. So, you, know, you could rely on whoever. Uh, if someone was taking your place, you knew straight away he was going to give it the same 110%. And that's just the way it was back then with us. Yeah. We, had, um, we were all part-timers. None of us worked. You had to go to work during the day, put in the full day's work, go to train for an evening. You train two nights a week three nights if you played on a Sunday the uh, training would be about an hour and a half two hours and then you'd go off to work and then come back to training again you know the following day type of thing um, with the World Cup the training standards were completely different we were then becoming uh, when we were in camp we were then full-time say full-time professionals then. Uh, we were training three times a day. Each session was uh, anything up to two and a half hours per session. But we really put the, the hard yards in, built our stamina up, our standards up, and that's why we end up getting such a good uh, reputation when we were overseas. And everyone that uh, backed us, you know. Uh,
0: Yeah, I'd love to pick your brain on on what those trainings were like. I mean, I'm sure it's really different now than it was back then. I mean, was it mainly field training? Did you get into the gym? Was there strength and conditioning components, or was it really just drilling down the technique, drilling down the core skills? What was it like?
1: It was all the training that we did was basically running and knocking the ball around. Yeah. It was no weights, no nothing like that. Uh, Our coach would say we're going to do a – well what was it a 12 minute run I think it was he used to call it and he said right everyone will follow Manfred. Manfred Schaefer was a, a German who here in the plane with Australia and that. The only thing I didn't know at that particular stage was that Manfred Schaefer used to be a milkman so he had the old horse and cart and that and he used to do all the running delivering the milk So he would lead the pack out on this uh, 12 minute run, six minutes, and then he would turn around. So all you saw was just this little figure that was going out further and further, and then you wait for it to come back bigger and bigger. So as soon as you saw it getting bigger, you knew you had to turn around to head back again, and he'd still go past you. you Um, Other than that, it was all just basically um, technique, knocking the ball around, suicide runs a uh, bit of uh, middle distance running and that just to build the stamina up in our legs and so that we could play a full 90 minutes at a certain speed and not tire off so but weight wise and that there was nothing the only the only weight that we had was a medicine ball and that was it you know everything else was basically just um, normal routine and no uh, no weights, no uh, people coming in and telling you you need to do this and that. Uh, the only thing that we saw which was different and which people, are, a lot of them are using now is someone to come in to have a talk to you, just to get into your mind and and that. But other than that, there was nothing really outstanding with our training sessions. Just hard work. Just hard work. You know, and it's proven fact, without the hard work, you don't get anywhere. You know? uh, I do sometimes I do uh, some one on one work with um, young goalkeepers Um, and I may repeat the same um, situation or, or diving movement with that player I may go over that 15 times until it becomes a natural sort of thing with him so, Skill but,
0: mastery, very important just to get that repetition in.
1: Yeah, well, basically is to, to give him um, the more, the fundamentals, uh, the grounding, uh, give him a solid table to work from. And if he can get that, and I'd say it's the same with you with uh, lifting weights and that, if you can get them into that proper position, that they know automatically if they're standing in a proper position under the bar, how they're lifting and that, that all comes natural to them and they just continue just doing that. It's just continuous repetition of that work until it's just second nature. They don't even think about it anymore. They automatically do it. And this is what I've got to do. And that's what I do with um, young goalkeepers. I try and teach them that, give them the, the proper foundations of how they're going to get further ahead. And then after that, it's up to them. It's hard work. You know, and it, it might be just a little centimeter, two centimeters here, or you know, whether you've got your arms too, hands too far back, or they're too far, or they're not, you know, where they they should be. Once they get into those proper positions, you know, anything can happen. You know? So I think it's basically the same as what would happen, you know, if you in your field, you'd be passing on.
0: Yes. Yeah, small, small things make a big difference in the long run, and, that, yeah. and, and effort over time is hugely important.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, I, think, I think that's basically any, in any sport, or any, maybe not even, uh, I wouldn't say just sport, I'd say uh, in life in general, all well, of that helps. You can go through uh, situations where you need to fall back onto that uh mental strength that you've got between you've got that between your ears that mental strength you can pretty well overcome anything that comes your way be it good or bad you know you either improve on what you've already got or you can overcome something that's bad and put yourself into a lot better position and I think that and it doesn't matter whether that's uh, in sport or in life in general, you know, if, you're, if you can get yourself to be mentally strong you can overcome anything you know, and, and, and not worry about the past or be hindered by something that's not working the way it should be.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's great advice. Um, if we then proceed through um, after the World Cup finished. Yeah, uh, all came back. You, you did some more tournaments under 23s, I think you said. Um, what about injuries? You had some injuries after
1: the World Cups. Yes, Cup? uh, I broke my wrist. Um, so I was sitting on the bench for a while. Just back here in club games. Uh, then the coach um, of the club team. We were playing the, the final of this night competition, the Ampol Cup back in 75. Uh, when he asked me if I was okay, I said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, well, I'll put you on the bench in case I need you and that. I said, yeah, that's, that's fine. I'm not a problem. Uh, the game gets underway and we've gone the first half, nil-nil. we have on second half, nil-nil. And nil. the uh, extra time the Starts because we've got to go through extra time and penalties to decide the, the winner. So we've started off the second, uh, we started off the um, extra time, and he's asked me to start to warm up. So I'm thinking to myself, why am I warming up? Maybe he wants me to be in goal for the penalties. Uh, so I've warmed myself up. Uh, and he said right take the shirt off so I'm taking taking another shirt off someone else and he said now you're going to go on I want you to do what you do with training and I was out on the park for about five minutes and scored a goal put us one nil up and that's how it stayed so we won the final one nil Uh, what most people didn't know as a junior I'd played as a a striker and also was a defender so I and at training i used to do the same the same thing and the coach knew this so i did my i would go earlier to do the goalkeeper training or stay later but i would do i would do my training as a player as well so and i had a bit of speed anything you know on the first five to ten meters no one would be able to catch me and that's what came into work into this when i scored the goal so uh, after that uh, I re- retired, uh, took up refereeing, became a qualified referee, uh, refereed for uh, a couple of years and then they brought in the age limit on referees so uh, that stopped me because uh, I couldn't progress any further. I wasn't allowed to referee at a higher level.
0: So you played first grade, you p- represented your country, you came back, you became a qualified
1: referee, but then you weren't old enough to, to referee. Oh, well, I was too old to referee. A too old to I, referee? Yeah, I was gonna be too old to referee and I wouldn't be able to get to a certain level, to the senior levels. I was doing uh, some of the senior games, but then uh, it meant I wouldn't be able to go any further. But, you know, I'd start to be dropping back and I thought, well, that's a waste. I didn't want to do that. So I stopped there, Um, I was on the committee with the referees committee at that that time, Um, then I retired from them, then went and uh, started to do coaching, Uh, did that for a few years, Uh, stopped there and then uh, became one of the officials, uh, ended up being a commissioner of the federation. so basically, I've done virtually everything there is to be done. From playing to right around to administration and a whole lot together. If, if you had to pick uh,
0: one thing in your career, uh, what's the biggest highlight to you? Is it scoring last minute goals? Is it doing the green and gold for your country? What's the, what's the number one highlight in your playing career?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, it'd have to be being part of the first team that ever made the World Cup,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, because we uh, we were part timers. Uh, a lot uh, of us lost our jobs over it, um, but it was the honour of wearing the, uh, the green and gold and being at the World Cup, even though we were there. We, I, I do not think we knew exactly what we had achieved. Um, and I, you know even today I think we're still, we still think about it at times, you know. And then uh, what annoyed us was that we got fed up with um, the wait of 32 years for another team to join us. You know, we were just getting sick and tired of being told we're the only team, we didn't want that. You know, we wanted uh, soccer to progress to a level where, where it is now. or um, not to the standard it is now, I think the standard can be higher, but to where we're now qualifying for the World Cup more on a more regular basis, So, um, which, uh, you know, needs to happen. But I think we also need to um, uh, capitalise on that opportunity. I think there's got to be more international games. They've got to be uh, organised some sort of to get the team together because you can't expect to get a team together and, uh, in, in six weeks and expect them to perform miracles. Yeah, it's just not going to happen, it's just not going to happen. We've got players overseas but they're not playing together and this is what we need. We need the players playing together, you need that continuity, you need that togetherness in there for them to build a relationship together and that's not happening. Yeah. That's why I think that's where we're slipping behind on uh, what's happening here. You, know, you 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 don't you you've got to put yourself in a position you don't think twice. You know, you've got that honour to go out there and you and you do it. and They all do it, but they need the backing. They need the backing from um, from their federations, uh, not um, uh, not just. to be thinking, oh yeah, we've done this, it's gonna happen again, it doesn't work like that. You've got to get something, you've got to spend the money, you've got to put the time and effort into it, you've got to get that uh, and and give it the 400% backing because these players or representatives are giving in return, regardless whether you give something or not, they're giving in return, they're giving 110, 120%. You know, and they're risking um, serious injuries at times, which could, you know, uh, as a sports person, one injury could uh, could finish your career completely.
0: One injury is all it takes.
1: That's it. You know, you, yeah, it could, could be anything. But you know, this is um, this is why the federations need to, uh, to take accountability and, and look at themselves at times. And, th- and they should be asking themselves, are they doing the right thing? Or are they just protecting themselves and you know making their chair nice and uh, pushy and that's how they can sit on it uh, and accept all the freebies and everything else? Think about the people that have put you there in that position. And think about the people that are that are out there wearing the green gold and putting their, their life on the line if you want to put it in a way, you know, because their they their their time of uh, sports and everything else, as we said, one injury could finish everything for them, you know, you mean even mistakes to uh, officials and that make when nothing happens, you know, it doesn't affect them, you know, but it affects all the, all the sports people, Yeah, you know, uh, that's the way I look at it more than anything else.
0: Sure, well I guess we'll finish off Um, I like to ask people on the podcast this, is if you had some words of advice for young players coming up, uh, what's the most important thing that they should focus on to try to progress, any sport, but in particular, to progress their soccer to the next level? What should they be doing? What should they be focusing on?
1: What they should be focusing on is what I mentioned earlier, getting uh, mentally strong, getting their foundations right, preparing themselves and knowing at the very end that they gave 100%, 10, 120%, that they don't have to think twice about that. Uh, If they do that, the door is open to them. uh, uh, That's about all I can say really is that they've just got to put that work in and really Really push it as hard as they can, and never be, um, never feel let down or or, or betrayed or that. Uh, the work that you put in will be recognised. The work that you do has got to be more than what the person next to you is doing for you to to be in front. So, you, the only reason that someone else maybe has got the, the the gig before you is because they put more effort in. So you've got to put more more. Well, uh, what I used to say is what you produced on the, uh, on the training ground, the way that you acted on the training and what you did at training and everything else will be seen when you play, when you play your game or if you're lifting weights. So it just means, uh, to me it means the more you put in into your training in that, the more you're going to produce when you're out on the, uh, on the field the more you put on uh, in your training of weights and everything else, the more the weight you're going to lift when the time comes. You know, so it's all it all it's works all out.
0: Effort, intensity, over time.
1: That's it. That's it.
0: Fantastic, great
1: advice. That's all I can say really, to the, the help of more than anything else. Well,
0: great, Jim. I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. I think that's been really interesting to hear that. And um, and like I said before. Uh, You're part of an exclusive group, not only to represent your country, but in a World Cup. And not only that, the first time ever Australia qualified for a World Cup. So I really appreciate your uh, input here today.